Good day, dear listeners. Steve Reda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And my guest today is Shrikant Chalapa, president and co-founder of Engagedly, an employee engagement and development software platform that redefines the performance review process. In his spare time, Shri also produces movies, makes music, and he is the host of the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. Shrikant, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Steve. It's a pleasure to have you from my uh, own studio here. <laughs> yeah, I love your studio and, uh, and the background. It's very engaging, if Thank I might you. say. Thank you. So let's start with your entrepreneurial journey. So how did you arrive at the place when you're running this company, when you also have produced movies and the music along the way? Well, it's a, it just happens. I guess in many ways for serendipity, right? You you work for a company, you realize this is not what I want to do. I want to do my own thing. And you run into people that challenge you. And eventually what happened is I ran into somebody from my last startup that I worked with. And I was not the founder, but I ran into the original founder and he had, he had a, a small fledgling startup and we joined hands and we grew that company 50 fold. And that was really the start of my entrepreneurial journey, essentially, you know, and uh, that was a big success. You know, we sold that, company for a high three-figure millions of dollars and that was really good and uh i wanted to find my next gig and you know we through that connection through other connections we met me and my partner met uh, his name is jay and he had an idea for employee engagement software and that's where uh, i every, all the dots connected you know like steve Jobs says you can only look back and see and connect all the dots not looking forward sometimes and all my experience were working with fortune 500 fortune 1000 companies led me to believe there's an opportunity in improving employee engagement and this software and the solution that we discussed made a lot of sense. So that's how Engagely started about seven years ago. And here we are. Yes, that's a big topic in employee engagement, especially now that a lot of companies have remote uh, staff, partially or fully remote, or even if they are not remote, it is a challenge to keep people not just coming in and you know, blocking uh, on the air and, and get their paycheck, but actually to be engaged and be, be, be bring their energy and their ideas and their enthusiasm to the business. So uh, so tell me about uh, a simple framework to think about uh, engaging people at work. So how, how would you approach it if you really wanted to simplify? Obviously, your software is probably an all-encompassing solution. We'll get into it later. But just what are the basics basics of it, basic uh, building blocks of it? Yeah, so, you know, you know, we talk about engagement very narrowly, unfortunately, in, in the world. You know, when you talk about employee engagement software, they're very narrowly focused on measuring employee engagement or giving rewards recognition or giving some sort of a, a gift or things like that. But really, it's much bigger. Every touch point with an employee in an organization is an engagement that you have with the employee. And those are the movements, I will, I call, I'll call them the movements that matter, where you have to make sure that the, the engagement is fulfilling for the employee while producing value for the organization. So the framework that I like to use is the E3 framework, which is focusing on the, the, the first E is the engagement of the employee through recognition, through rewards, through measuring engagement, identifying what the problems are. That's the first part. The second E is really about enablement, which is giving the person the right tools 
and development and growth opportunities so that they feel like they're making progress. People become disengaged. Everything else might be fine, but people might be, will become disengaged if they feel like they're not growing and learning something new. The third part of the engagement is about execution organizational goals, aligning the people to the organizational strategy, making that transparent, where they feel like their work matters, where they feel they have a purpose in the organization, they're moving the ball forward, and they have visibility, transparency, and trust in the organization, where the organization is making their goals transparent and open so that organizations uh, can have transparency from both sides, right? A lot of organizations will not necessarily tell people why they're doing what they're doing, and then employees get disengaged because they don't know how their work matters. And I think the third part of execution, getting them in the execution process rather than telling them what to do is the third E. So it's the engagement, enablement, and execution of strategy. So those are that's the E3 framework at a broad level. And obviously we can get into more details if you want, but ultimately you have to look at all three of them. It's not just one thing. You know, It's not like, oh, if we give more training, people will be engaged. Or if we just give them... Uh, anniversary gifts or recognize them for good work, they'll be engaged. You need to have all these three things working in unison to make this work. So where do you feel that companies are the weakest? Which which is which is the link that tends to be most neglected? I think the companies, as you get bigger, especially if you go remote, the alignment and transparency of the execution of strategy is where companies get really weak. You know, Mm -hmm. they feel lost, they feel isolated, especially in a remote work environment where they don't know why their work matters. If somebody is, let's say, all they're doing is generating, you know, TPS reports, (laughs) um, they don't know why they're doing that. You know, at at some point they feel like I'm I'm just doing some mundane work that makes no sense. All I'm doing it is so that I can put bread on my table and that can lead to a lot of disengagement at a broad level. The easiest fix, however, that a lot of companies can take is recognition. It doesn't cost anything. It's actually free, but managers are not very good at recognizing, you know, employees' effort. A simple thing like thank you for doing this, giving them a shout out, praising somebody in front of others, in front of their peers, simple things like that, which doesn't cost anything, can go a long way. So those are some of the simple things you can do. The organizational strategy, transparency is obviously a little bit more cultural at a broader level. So I would say those are two things that as a manager, you can do one thing very quickly. As an organization, you need to do something more, I would say, bigger. Why is it that people don't pay attention to aligning the organization around the strategy? So how how is it, how is it difficult to do or, or why do people oversee that or overlook that? It's actually... Very simple explanation. It As a manager or a leader or a VP, you are thinking about your own goals of what you need to accomplish. And then you the next thing you think about is, what do I need to tell this person and this person and this person to do? And then if they do it, I will have accomplished my goals. But they are not connecting their dots and thinking beyond saying, well, I need to tell them why. And then I need to tell them, why I'm doing what I'm doing, what is our overall goal, and why it matters. And that is the next step they need to do to really motivate them, the people, which they're like, I'm the VP, they should just do what I'm telling them to do. 
you know, and hopefully they'll do it. And, and maybe they will, and maybe they won't. But even if they do, they may not be doing it with the best of their ability. Maybe they're just punching the clock, you know, as they call it, phoning in to do the job. And I think it's easier to tell people what to do rather than try to get them to buy in into why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, it is more work, but it, to some people, this comes naturally. To others, uh, it comes as a shock, I guess. So my personal experience with this, I, I started my career 30 years ago with KPMG and uh, I went out on this audit and my manager just came to me and said, run this test. But it gave me no indication why this test was important, uh, you know, how it fits in the big picture. And I felt very, I felt very frustrated because it, it, it was very demotivating to, to just mechanically do something. And the review came up and I mentioned this, that I felt it was really important and uh, to do. And, and this is what I was want to do with my uh, subordinates. And they look like right deer in the headlights. It came as a shock to them that it was even a thing. And it shocked me that they thought that way. And mm -hmm. then as, as I moved forward in my career, I saw that it was not an obvious thing at all for most people to do that. Yeah. And that and that's right because if you don't know why you're doing something, a you'll just go through the motions, and b maybe you are on the ground, you will have a better idea if you understand if if why you're doing makes sense. Maybe you'll come up with a better way of doing it because your ultimate you understand the ultimate goal rather than just a specific task. So, for example, you know if you tell somebody, hey, let's run this email campaign, and you don't tell them why that email campaign is important. Maybe it's part of a bigger product release or a solution release. Maybe you're doing a big announcement at a conference somewhere. If they get that full picture, maybe they'll come up with a better idea. Say, hey, maybe we should run this email, but we should probably message it with this conference campaign that's going to that's gonna come out or the announcement that's going to come out. They'll think a little bit beyond what their current task is. So I think that's, and that's where the engagement comes in because then they feel like they're actually contributing to the overall success rather than just running this task, which they don't know how it connects the, to the bigger picture. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, so let's switch gears here. Let's talk about your business, which is focused on engaging people. It's called Engagedly. So what do you do and how do you help uh, business leaders to, to engage their people? So uh, Engagedly uses the E3 framework that I mentioned earlier. So we basically have modules for recognition rewards, employee engagement survey, and then a module for learning and developing, building coaching programs, mentoring programs. We also have modules for aligning people to goals, building you know, skill paths, capturing their skills so they can understand where they need to go next, what skills they need to work on, and then you know, aligning people on their overall organizational objectives. And then so the review process is a little bit more, is a lot more objective, but it's also more continuous because you're doing all these discussions throughout the year. So we really we've really changed the way perform, performance reviews is done because that is a point of engagement. You know, doing a review and preparing for the review and having the review discussion is a point of engagement. You want to make that as painless as possible. It's never going to be fun. I we get that, you know. But performance reviews are never fun. It's actually one of the most stressful events that an employee goes through in a year. What we can do is reduce that pain, make it a little bit more predictable, where they're not getting a surprise at the end of the year or end of that performance period. So a lot of companies have done away with annual reviews. Some of them use don't even use ratings anymore, and some of them do use ratings. We are fine with all that approach. You know, whatever works is fine for the company, but doing what you do between those reviews throughout the year 
that's what really matters. So this whole argument about whether we should do ratings or not do ratings, whether we should do annual review or not, is actually missing the point. I think it's what you do between the reviews is actually what sets the context for employee engagement and performance and overall employee growth. Yeah, so that's I mean, a platform. What I experience, the way I see this, the way I experience this is if a company only does the annual review, then what's going to happen is two or three weeks before the review, the employer is going to think about all the good things that they did for the company. And they are going to make their case that they have done a fantastic job. They're going to rationalize it because for lack of feedback, they will just have to make things up. And then they come into the review, their reviewer may or may not be prepared with all the information that happened. And then the reviewer might even have a quota or not being able to promote certain number of people, the number of peoples or, or pay raises, whatever, and becomes a stance discussion. So what I like to suggest to my clients is to have at least a quarterly conversation between these reviews. I call them mentor meetings. When you talk about, you give feedback, you also get the employees' feedbacks, so you know exactly where they are, you give you share your expectations, you understand their expectations, you re-energize this relationship so that the employee, by the time they get to the annual review, they already know where they stand, they know what the expectations are, so it becomes a much uh, smoother conversation. Right, exactly, exactly. And especially if you, as a manager, have seven or eight or 10, re 10 people reporting to you, there's no way you're going to remember that because you are busy with your activities and answering to your boss you're busy with that. And when you get to the review time, you only remember what happened in the last four weeks. You don't remember what happened six months ago or nine months ago. And, and that's where the, the annual review only process works. So it's not necessarily a, a beat on the annual review process itself. It's, a, it's what it is, is an issue with what happened throughout the year. Did you do, like, like you said, giving feedback along the way? Did you do quarterly check-ins? Did you do monthly check-ins? Did you set objective you know, results, key results that, that you are focused on. Did you help the employee or did you just throw them out to the sharks along the way, right? And th those are all the things that matter along the way. And so annual review becomes a lot more of, a, of an open discussion rather than a carrots and punishment type of approach. Now, you mentioned objectives and key results or OKRs or sometimes called ROCs, uh, which are the quarterly objectives. Are you of the opinion that those should be part of the review process or they should the review should be based on them or they should be removed from it? There is a school of thought that if you link the achievement of the OKRs uh, with uh, the performance appraisal, then people are going to be tempted to, to send back their OKRs and to go for easier ones rather than ambitious ones. So what is your thought on that? I... I, I don't necessarily have, I mean, I'm, I can understand both points of view, right? I think sandbagging and trying to make OKRs easy so that they look at the review process can happen. To me, that, to me, that displays a lack of trust and psychological, psychological safety between the employee and, the, and their manager. When tough OKRs are set, and OKRs, in my opinion, should be stretch goals. They shouldn't be the ones that you will hit 100% of the time uh, I mean, some people sometimes do hit 100% of the time, but it should be a, a rarity, in fact. And as long as managers and employees understand that, that it's a rarity, that that's when it will happen, and you're not going to be penalized because you didn't hit 100% of your OKRs, that, then it's fine to do that for a re review process. 
but it's like how do you know whether an organization has that or not right some organizations may have the psychological safety some organizations don't where they have that i think okrs can can be part of the review process where they don't have that maybe the organization doesn't make it part of the review process but there needs to be some level of accountability for the okrs if it is not part of any accountable impact to the employee or the group or the or the team or function then what's the point of doing okrs at all right because if you know that if you miss it nothing happens and if you achieve it maybe nothing happens you know and so at that point you have to question okay how do you make person or the, or the team accountable for okrs so there's a lot of different um, approaches people can take i don't know if i have a right, good answer maybe steve you can you you can tell us what what you've seen work in that sense yeah i, I mean i i'm i'm just wondering that if there is a car culture where people are engaged uh with the mission of the company where where they where they are accepted by their work then wouldn't they want to achieve their okrs whether they get a pay raise or not right uh, or is it the pay raise or the bonus that is going to motivate them to shoot for the okrs that yeah i don't i i think it depends right in sales and all revenue related jobs it does motivate them to shoot mm-hmm. for the okrs because mm-hmm. sales people inherently are motivated by monetary uh, incentives but in a team like engineering or operations that's not the case necessarily right they are not motivated by that but they are motivated by maybe coming across as somebody who's an expert in their area they're motivated by making sure that they've done their best job and the end product looks great and that gives them satisfaction when customers love their product or the rest of the organization loves their work so it so it 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 varies by individual based on their role and their motivation so it's it's there's not unfortunately one best practice that i would recommend i think it really depends on the team and their role and to some extent the individual themselves mm-hmm. that's what the managers have to be smart about how do you set the right incentives for the employee based on what motivates them yeah i agree that makes sense so so the engagedly platform so how does it help a manager to create that engagement or to uh, to stimulate so it. there are tools in the platform and across all three e's so th- it has a a tool for giving recognition publicly on a social feed a, a, you can create badges for each of the values and other type of badges if you want to create you know if you are on challenges you want to create badges for that so managers and organization leaders can give badges out and people can give badges and and praises to anybody it's not just manager to employee it can be peer to peer or it can be even from a peer or an individual to their manager or to their leadership as well uh, because i think that motivates the manager too you know it's not always the employee it's always the ma- it's a lot of times it's the manager who needs sometimes need to be more engaged in fact uh, the more engaged the manager is the be- the more engaged the team will be and then it has tools for uh, uh, creating learning programs onboarding tools for you know trainings that people can get assigned to sharing ideas uh, but also it has tools for uh, giving real time feedback in a private setting uh, getting 360 feedback for assessments and and development needs also okr so there are all these things you know as i mentioned earlier uh, assist in building better engagement because you're developing people you're recognizing people you're you're making your goals transparent and aligning people better so there are various different tools that allow you to do that one of the one of the things that we also have in our platform which is fairly unique to our platform in as a performance management and engagement platform is mentoring platform we have a mentoring 
module where you can assign and you can select your own mentors from any part of the organization and then have a private mentoring relationship completely disconnected from your manager. So that way you can have a lot more personalized discussions without having a uh, impact on your role or your or your relationship with your manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting. Now, I wonder who manages this platform inside the company. Is it HR that manages or is it completely distributed? And if it's HR, then maybe I have a second follow-up question, whether uh, they should be uh, people-driven, the HR people, or should they be strategy-driven? So what 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 is their ideal role in your... So I, we call our platform, you know, people strategy platform, which is where the people and strategy leaders is my podcast as well, because it is is aligning people process to business strategy. So it needs to be driven by both. So there are people processes that HR people are are assigned with, right? Hey, you need to run an annual review. We need to do annual 360s or quarterly 360s or whatever the format is. Uh, We need to be uh, compliant with some of our training that people need to take. So assign them these training because they are, you know, maybe a healthcare company, so they need to all need to take HIPAA awareness training every year or some security awareness training every year. So there are HR pieces in the platform. Then the strategy pieces of the platform is OKRs, you know, understanding my skill pool, trying to understand where my uh, next future leaders are coming from. As a CEO and as a VP, I am interested in understanding what the capabilities and the skill sets are for my people as I continue to grow my team. Should I always be looking to hire from outside or should I look to promote from within, which is what we you know recommend as well is promote from within, which is then then building a mentoring program for them. HR is a facilitator at that point, you know, because they are the ones running these programs with the input from the business leaders. So it's it's actually both. But the primary person who has to facilitate all of this is typically an HR uh, leader or somebody in the uh, organizational development role or 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 uh, talent management role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it can be a tough spot for HR leaders sometimes to be between the people and the strategy. They understand the strategy, uh, they understand the people, uh, but how do they, you know, reconcile the two? Sometimes strategy or you know top leadership strategy changes are going to create people changes that are not necessarily uh, merit based. Uh, if if the leadership decides to cut a division then you might have to lose people that otherwise are really high performance. Yeah, yeah. So we have a, you know, we have a philosophy that HR leaders should be executives at that strategy table, right? I think there are, we see a lot of that happening lately, but most of the time HR has been focused, has been relegated to a compliance role mm-hmm. and 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 keep people happy role instead of being being a strategic planning and execution person with the rest of the business leaders. To me, HR is is part of strategy because if you don't do that well, then HR gets relegated to a somebody you just give stuff to do and there's not necessarily a buy-in across the board. Um, so for example, OKRs, right? OKRs, a lot of times HR try to run OKRs and it fails miserably because OKRs are not an, necessarily an HR thing. It's a business strategy thing, right? And HR is given that task to run it or a talent manager is given the task to run it without even uh, any level of commitment from the CEO or the VP or the or the other executives. They have to run it. HR can facilitate that to make sure that people are actually following along. 
but the primary driver for an OKR or a primary driver for even mentoring, for example, has to be driven from the top. Otherwise, you know, people just look at it as one more thing they need to do in their in their work. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So that's that's uh, a lot of move, moving pieces in the engagement, the three E's, engagement, uh, execution, and enablement. And then how do you link the strategy with the uh, the execution? How do you link, uh, link the people, your people strategy and your business strategy together? How do you make sure people are not blindsided by their performance appraisal because they have been communicating along the way? This is this is really important. And if you can bring all these pieces together in a software platform, that can be very powerful. So if people would like to find out more about the Engagedly platform, where do they go? And if they want to learn more, maybe how do they reach out to you? Yeah, so engagedly.com, E-N-G-A-G-E-D-L-Y.com. They can connect with me, Sri Chalapa or Srikan Chalapa at, on LinkedIn. And obviously check out my podcast as well, People Strategy Leaders Podcast where we talk about, you know, people strategy uh, quite a bit and leadership uh, in our podcast as well. So uh, that's the best way to learn about uh, our product, our solution, and myself. Okay. So uh, for those of us uh, listening to the show, and if you have a business and you want to improve your people process, you want to get your people more engaged so that they are missionaries rather than mercenaries in your business, and they bring uh, their extra energies, their ideas, uh, their own solutions uh, to the business, not, not just showing up as uh, task uh, executors, then check out Shri's company, Engagedly, and uh, and see if, if their software is the right solution for you to make this happen. So thank you for coming on the show, uh, Shri. I enjoyed the conversation. And for those of you listening, um, next week, I'm going to bring another exciting CEO to the show. So stay tuned.